Welcome to the Encircle Podcast, Season 1, Episode 7. My name is Katrina Stewart and I'm your host. Today I sat down and chatted with Corey Pitts. He's the owner of Human, or you may remember it being called CrossFit Plus. It's actually the oldest running CrossFit facility on the central coast of New South Wales. I met Corey probably a little over seven years ago now. I was around the 180 kilo mark. Some friends that I trained with were competing in a games day and they were trying to convince me to compete in a games day, like soon. So I thought I better go check this thing out. And I remember looking around, I I knew who Corey was. They said, he's the owner. You physically look at him and you think, yeah, you do CrossFit, you can tell. For me, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't look like any of these people. I'm not sure I should do a competition. At the time on the Central Coast, there was no one my size. I was around the 180 kilo mark. And I was starting to feel negative about how I moved. As in, the more weight I lost and people would start to comment positively about it, they weren't understanding my emotional feeling because I had so much spare skin that was moving out of succinct. It was making me feel sad when I trained, better after I trained, but it was not supported skin that was kind of dragging everywhere and it was becoming harder. And so I was really questioning whether I should do a games day, do I fit into this community? Halfway through the day, Corey approached me and introduced himself. He actually asked me if I was competing and I remember thinking, maybe you're kidding? Like, that's an interesting question to ask me. And during the conversation, it's interesting what stands out to you. One, this gentleman approached me. I found that amazing. That was great. I felt very welcomed. So I I started to change my perception. Maybe I can do something like this. And then I also noticed, and I said this to him afterwards, after we got to become friends, I noticed that his speech pattern was different. Now, my background in psychology, I'd worked with people with acquired brain injuries. So that intrigued me straight away. I asked a friend, you know, like I noticed his speech and they said, yeah, he was involved in an accident. I don't know that much about it. And I made sure that, so I competed in my games day and then I come across him again that same year at BTS's games day. And I made sure I watched every event that he was in because I knew there had to be something in the frontal lobe. Being that I'd worked with people with acquired brain injury, I'm like, I want to see him move. And there he is, moving like every single person. And I'm like, okay, so I'm feeling bad about myself because I feel bad. He has obviously overcome something amazing neurologically, and he's moving like that in this community. Man, there's always someone worse off than you, Katrina. Get over your feelings. Look at this guy. He's an inspiration to me. And I've always made sure that I've touched base with him and we've, we've gotten to know each other, as you'll hear in the podcast over the last seven years, and I'm grateful to call him a friend. I must say that this is a very in-depth podcast and we pause a couple of times. And I also need to say in the first couple of minutes, you hear a vacuum cleaner in the background. The thing that Corey and I have in common is that we love a clean floor and we were at his CrossFit box and they were cleaning. I hope you enjoy the podcast and I'll see you on the other end. Welcome to the In Circle podcast, Corey. Hello. Hello. So first off, I always like to just kind of let people know how we know each other. So I met you probably about seven years ago at a comp, and I remember very vividly you coming up and saying to me at your comp, 
hi, are you competing? And I'm like, I don't know if it's for me. And you're like, of course it is. Of course it is. And then you said, anyway, my name's Corey. Nice to meet you. And it stuck with me. It stuck with me for a few reasons because you actually approached me, which was fantastic. And I remember thinking, oh, I want to know a little bit more about you. So I asked some friends that I was training with and they said, oh yeah, he owns CrossFit Plus, he's the owner and the coach, and he had a car accident. And I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. Because where I was at the time, I was about 180 kilos. And one of the things I, I noticed straight away was that your speech was just a little bit different. And working in psychology, I thought to myself, that's frontal lobe stuff for sure, and I don't know what that's about. Okay, you've had a car accident, that makes sense to me. And it made me feel that I could do CrossFit. And I know it, that the, it's always interesting how you make things connect. For me at the time, I was like 180 kilos and my coordination speed and agility and balance were wrong because I had so much skin that would move out of the sink I'm like, I can't ever get this CrossFit stuff because I'm never going to get all my spare skin. I can't make it work. And then I remember walking away thinking, man, I want to learn more about him because he can make it work. And mine's just, a, mine's just a feeling, right? And he's obviously had a car accident that's done something with his frontal lobe and he makes it work really well and he runs a gym, so that's something I can do. And that's how I started to really invest in wanting to know more about you. And since then, you know, like I lost a lot of weight. I've always come to all your comps. I've competed in one of your comps. I love it. Um, all my friends compete in your comps. Then I open CrossFitting Circle. We compete in your comps as well. And I've always looked at your story and um, Dee Berg's a friend of ours. He wrote a, a great piece a couple years ago for True Protein. And I read that thinking, oh man, there's so much more to it than I know. And then you wrote some pieces on your why and that really drew me to wanting to sit down and have this chat with you. In a business sense, we've always had a really good relationship, I've felt. Whenever we've needed referrals in different areas, because you're up the top end, I'm down the bottom end, it's never about, no, you're gonna stay with me, it's about, okay, so if you're moving to this area, this is a really good box near you, and I've received referrals vice versa as well. So thank you for that, because that shows community internally, but also community on the Central Coast, right? So, with that being said, I love to do a verbal resume. Now for you it's an interesting one because let's go verbal resume pre-accident. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so pre-accident, right from school, at school studies, I was writing to my um, photography and videography, that's what I sort of majored in, so to speak. Um, straight out of school, I never done schoolies as such. I went to Hawaii to work predominantly to try and get my foot in the door in the um, film industry as an ocean videographer um, in the surfing industry base and then that's where it all started um, and then kind of just grew from there in with my passion for the ocean and surfing and bodyboarding and just that became a career of mine so that's where I was post-accident like a full-time professional ocean videographer working for big um, brands, um, surfing and bodybuilding magazines, doing different trips, making, um, I guess, documentaries such and um, specific surfers and bodyboarders, working with some local um, film production companies that also were 
doing the same thing, as well as I did branch out of the surfing industry and the film stuff. Different times working on ads, doing stuff like commercial documentaries for Baz Luhrmann and things like that in the city, which was always fun and interesting. But my passion was the water, and that's where I kind of, I guess, growing up on the Central Coast, it was always in there day in and day out. If I didn't have to be at school or it was weekend, I'd stay in my wetsuit all day with all the boys. We'd go from one spot to the next, stop and have some lunch in our wetsuit and keep going. Um, and then also during that time, sort of just before I had the accident and everything, um, started really getting into my fitness. When um, um, in Europe, one time I was living in Europe for a year, I'm working course based myself around um, all the Westerlink Islands based in um, England and then travelling from there because it was easy to have a base there and coming back as you know Australia is so far away um, from anywhere so that was a location wise and um, to have I guess prospective for the people on board that were the production company behind the film thing to pay alright you're happy to live in England for X amount of time and we'll pay for everything to go from there okay and then having a couple of I could almost say like near-death experiences such in the water out there filming Nelly Drowning or well, I thought that I nearly drowned anyway and that thought uh, that thought resonated in my head like I've got to be fit for what to do, I've got to be fit for general life and a good mate in California when I spent some time and lived in California who was in triathlons contacted him because I knew he was coming over to England to compete in an event um, then sort of started training with him started competing in triathlons and um, sort of went from there in my health and fitness journey as such and got back on top of things. So I guess, as I'm sure everyone knows that spends time in Europe, you just, I guess it's so dark and gloomy. You, um, what do you do? You drop me sleep, wake up late, get up, go shop, spend money and start drinking. And it's day in, day out when there's no surf, that's seemed to do. Put on a lot of weight, got really unfit and healthy and then went to those situations where Thought that I was going to drown and that drove me, drove me to fitness. But we're still in the um, film industry at the time, but like when I could, that was kind of my fitness regime and competitive side of things was outside of surfing, was um, triathlons. And then also was just, I guess, it's kind of a bit cliche, but everyone's like, I want to be that firefighter and stuff. And I applied for the firefighters and that takes a slow process like it. You go, I think, Three times ended up applying, getting knocked back a few times. My third time I applied, I got so far and it was still in limbo because it take ages to get back to you. Had, um, then the accident and everything happened. And then after that, it kind of got, um, I tried to get back in the film industry after the accident stuff, which I did and I was able to, but you kind of, I didn't have the coordination, let alone the confidence to be doing what I used to do to get, put myself in those situations um, of, I guess, in the ocean, critical situations that can be, um, situate, what's the word, sorry. It's okay. Yeah. So one, one of the things that Corey explained to me is that he experiences anxiety. So with that anxiety, he speaks faster and then can also lose train of thought when he gets really passionate about something. So we're here, just take your time. Yeah. So you tried to get back into it? Yeah, so tried to get back into it all and the same my coordination and like I guess cognitive speed and stuff, thought process, thinking, understanding stuff. So that really affected like 
my hands-on camera work, whether it was on the land especially, and then the post-production work, like working the computer and making cuts and edits, but also the same lack of confidence in the ocean, like to put myself in um, situations to get the right shot that I needed that was really critical and because I was hesitant and not confident, it'd make it more chance. As you know, if you hesitate different things, that's generally how you get hurt. If you've got the confidence, you go for it, you normally come through successful. So that then led me to see what else I could do. I um, kind of fell in the fitness realm further as a career and CrossFit specifically because I use CrossFit as my form of rehabilitation. So let's pause there for just one second. So we took a little bit of a break. I didn't want Corey to have to extend his voice over the level of the vacuum. Him and I had also been speaking for about 40 minutes beforehand, just catch-ups, general chit-chatting on his games day, and I knew we were going into a big conversation about his accident, so I just wanted to give him a moment. During the break, he said to me, is my tone coming across okay? I know when I'm very passionate, my tone goes flat. Can you hear me above the level of the vacuum? And I said, absolutely, you can. A couple of spots there are a little bit quiet, so thanks for holding in there, guys, but it's going to be fine. He said, great. I used to be highly self-conscious and I suffered from a lot of anxiety around just being me, talking in front of people and just being myself. But I've learned not to be so worried and not so self-conscious and to learn not to care so much. And I said to him, how did you come to that realization? He said, when I realized it was holding me back, I did some work with it around a business coach and mentor to better handle my anxiety, to learn that I can't actually change it. And I said, no, you can't. He said, I'm just being me. I said, so your authentic self? He says, yeah. And I'm passionate about being here and, and getting my why out. And I can't change that. So that's me just being me. I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said this, at the end of the day, if people go home and talk about me at the kitchen table, that's good because I'm the guy that's just being their best version. They're living themselves. They're out there wanting to change people's lives if they want to. I'm also doing fitness. I'm doing things I love that I'm passionate about, like the surf. I've got a great group of friends and I'm just living my life and I can't change that. And if they want to talk about me, that's fine. It's all good. And I said to him, absolutely. He said, yeah, I know, it's taken a while to get there. I said to him, you know what, I'm 48 and I'm just getting there and I know many people that are highly self-conscious about themselves, about living their why, about getting their authentic self out there. So you're not alone. I said, and you've just got to a, a place of realization and that's amazing. I just wanted to share that with you because I know it's something that I've struggled with and still struggle with and I know many people out there is, are doing the same. And now we go back into the conversation. Okay, so we're back. Um, Corey, like my box, loves a clean box and he's got his cleaners in at the moment. So we've just asked them to pause the, the vacuuming so it'll be a little bit clearer. So thank you for hanging in there. Now, I want to talk about the accident. So accidents happen. By definition, it's an accident. You can't change it or rearrange it. People in their life have experienced accidents and or they will, whether it's a, for you it was a a really horrific car accident. For some people, a situation will come upon them and they they find themselves in a, in a situation that they, again, can't change or rearrange, but have to move forward. 
when I look at, like when you've, I've read the articles and you've talked to me about your medical history, let's look at the, the accident from a physical point of view. So I understand you had, you sustained fractures in your lower back, your neck, your tibia, your fibia and your femur and you snapped your Achilles, leaving your leg in suspension to lengthen it. Correct. Wow. So bones can heal. Do you know or do you remember how long you, because like if you're, up, if you're Achilles, was it like in, were you in traction of some kind or you don't remember that point? Don't really remember. I, my memories are pretty um, blurred from, but my hospital, definitely my start, my stay in hospital, um, but I've seen photos and been told by my parents, it was pretty much, um, yeah, in bed, with my leg suspended and I had, um, you can see, two scars either side yeah, I can my see car those, yeah. for the surgery and then had pins in there to pull it out and to link it on. What why it was kind of, I guess, it obviously you had stitching stuff to sew it back together, but to support it so it could actually mend and heal. Yeah. But I'm not too sure how long that was like that. But Do you have any pins or plates in you at the moment? I have, I did have my whole left, pretty much from my ankle to my hip was metal but I've had everything removed apart from one thing that was going to be too much trouble for them to get out it's like a little cable tie I have sort of around my upper thigh region your upper thigh and I'm not too sure what that was there and doing but it was to support something but that was something that was going to be more trouble than it was for them to remove okay so when I look at just the physical fractures that's huge and can I ask were you in a coma yes I was and, in a coma and an induced coma um, not to start with, but then I always kept the energy camera for up to two, two to three weeks. Wow. So when I then look at your neurological injuries, so I know when you look at your physiological injuries, the first thing you need to do, obviously, is listen to either your physio, your exercise physiologist, whoever it is that's working in your rehabilitation to start to get some kind of movement in the hope that you might get back your functional movement and your full range of motion or where your range of motion will be. So then I look at your neurological injuries and as I'm looking at this from a psychological viewpoint, I'm seeing that there must have been a huge catch-22 because, and this is what I want to talk about because this is what blows my mind from an athletic point of view and a business point of view. So when I look at your neurological injuries, you had what's called TBI, which is traumatic brain injury. So a TBI occurs when your brain experiences an extensive force, right? And yours would have been, like from you saying that you were in a coma and then an induced coma, they call that a moderate to severe. So with that comes slurred speech, profound confusion, seizures and coma, but that's not, it doesn't end there. From there, from the TBI, you had a prefrontal cortex on the left side, right? That's what, that's what was injured. Yeah. Basically, that's your cerebral cortex, yeah? And so I just want to let listeners know that might not understand that. The prefrontal lobe is responsible for empathy, shame, compassion, guilt. The causes or, like, injuries there cause or diminish capacity for basically all behaviour, plus memory loss, plus reduced motor skills and spatial awareness. Um, and when I look from a psychological viewpoint, that prefrontal cortex area is basically, we call it the, exec the executive function. 
So you could experience, you know, and have issues differentiating conflict and working towards defined goals. But we go on from there. From there, there was also a temporal lobe impact that caused bleeding as well, right? Yeah. So we're talking about loss of talking, loss of memory, loss of any kind of auditory stimuli, loss of sensory and linguistics, visual and information, basically a total disturbance of language and communication. And then we go on from there to a diffused aox, I'm not gonna say it right, I've tried a thousand times, hmm. axonal injury. So basically, this happens when the brain shifts so rapidly in your skull, which is bone, obviously. Yeah. So what that does, the long connecting fibers in the brain called axons are sheared in different areas depending on where the brain has hit the bone. So rapid acceleration and deceleration inside the brain on the skull create these, these they call them lesions or coup lesions. Um, and that creates disorientation, confusion, headaches, drowsiness, trouble sleeping, dizziness, loss of time and space, the ability to plan and deliver motor movements. And to be honest, if there's a doctor, a physio, a nurse, an exercise physiologist that's listening to what I'm saying, you would know that I'm basically shortening it right down and giving it a point form. We could talk for two hours about this easily right, with professionals that would be able to deliver far more information than what I just have. But basically, even now on a CT or an MRI, that there would look like you've got little specks because things can heal, such as your bones can heal. But when we're talking about things like neurological, that would have ongoing effect and ongoing issues for you. So you wake up two to three weeks after being in a coma, you realise or you've been told you're in an accident, you can't basically understand speech patterns, let alone movements, let alone start rehabilitation. I think that's absolutely amazing when I look at, I come in today and I looked at you wadding and I try to piece it together. Things like the snatch, chest to bars, double unders. When I look at speed, coordination, agility, repetitive movement patterns, how can I ask, how long ago was this accident? Ten years ago. Ten years ago yeah. now. So when I look at the neurological issues, just on an athletic point of view, how did you start rehabilitation? Start rehabilitation, <laughs> obviously like you said, with physios and um, things in hospital. When I was at Westmead Hospital, um, just regular ones with rehabilitation from, I guess, the cognitive side of things, from my speech, fine motor skills and the physical stuff, when I was actually able to weight bear again. Yeah. So I just learned to walk again, move my hands, because I had lost all use, use of the left side of my body. I couldn't even pick my left hand. I used to pick it up and wave goodbye with that. So you couldn't even pick your left hand up yeah. and wave goodbye? Um, and that's where kind of rehabilitation started in there. In hospital, and it just went from there as you sort of evolve and finally get discharged. How long was that? Um, I was in Westfield Hospital for up to a year and then got discharged. So that's where, that's what I find interesting is that you're in Westmead Hospital for a year, right? That's 12 months. And it, you say it so humbly, yep, I was in Westmead Hospital for a year and I got discharged. And 
your growth mindset blows my mind. So you got you got discharged from Westmead Hospital a yeah. year later. Yeah. So from in Westmead Hospital ICU to a um, the brain the brain injury um, rehabilitation unit, and then from there went to their um, I guess outpatient living where you live in a house with only a couple of people learn just day-to-day life stuff to so you can look after yourself from there at discharge and then I had a further year of rehabilitation at John Hunter in Newcastle. So the the, um, head injury rehabilitation unit there at John Hunter which is at Bar Beach. I used to go up there. started off with a few times a week I used to have a driver come pick me up and take me to and from the full length days, long tiring days. For me at the time just trying to learn to speak and everything again was so tiring. Um, and still today, speaking too much, I get so tired. But um, as the time went on, the outpatient and um, seeing to um, Hunter Brain Injury Unit, that kind of slowly over the course of the year reduced back in the length of time I was there to the amount of time I had to go up each week to then not have to do it again. Wow. And so when I... You, you've gone up there, so that we're talking like maybe, is that two years on now? Um, yeah, yeah, so year sort of as an outpatient at um, yeah. John Homebrain Unit. Yeah, cool. And then where did you start getting yourself together physically to be able to basically see a person like I seen today, Wadding? Like when did that, when did that, that physical preparedness start? When did you start to prepare yourself to come back to who you remember pre-accident? I guess during my, like, sort of, um, towards the end of my um, requirement of being at, as an outpatient at the um, brain unit at the Hunter, because I started to get more in-depth in my physio, started to learn to run again, and during this course, my whole time in hospital and stuff, a lot of time, I was watching things, and when I started to get a bit aware was, I guess I could still read, but it just takes me a lot longer to process information. So because I had it all day, so to speak, it could take as long as I need to read a page in a book. And it's just to study up on different things, listen to stuff and learn. And that was all sort of rehabilitation, fitness-based. And then doing that at, at, with the physio at um, Newcastle kind of started from there. And then when I kind of, they let me go, so to speak, that I was I still had to see physios and appointments out, but I didn't have to attend up there. I just kept seeking further help, doing things. And every bit of homework got sent, set, whether it was from just fine motor skills stuff, picking up blocks on the ground with the, my hand as fast as I could, and then going to marbles, five cent pieces. I used to make sure I'd done each, each bit of homework they said for me, all the way to like, okay, we want you to walk here, we want you to start hopping, build that single leg strength up. And I just kind of, pushed it and pushed it because I had the determination of getting back to where I was. I wanted that so bad and I think a big driving factor was that some people that I became pretty good friends with at the brain unit at Westmead Hospital. Like one of the, I guess, my best friend I made in the hospital there, she was a triathlete herself, um, uh, elite level one and she got um, hit by a car, went out training, like a hit and run from behind and she will never be the same again. She's um, wheelchair bound, and she's still got the understanding of brain, but she can't communicate. So I'd do my best to communicate with her, and she'd understand what I'm saying. I couldn't really understand what she was saying back, but would laugh and stuff, and have that rapport, and just knowing 
where she's come from and her ability that was just my driving force to get back to where I was because there's always someone out there worse off than you. Absolutely. So, wow, just though. Just to keep going. One, absolutely, there is always someone worse off from you, but in your time at that moment to see that and comprehend that and appreciate that, kudos to you, mate, seriously. So how did you then get into CrossFit? Because, like, we're not talking about today. We're talking about 10 years ago, right? Like, yeah. And it was very different 10 years ago than what we experienced today. How did that start? Well, it started with one of my good friends, Greg Hughes. Um, just uh, He was a trainer himself, just a standard Globo gym. And then he was sort of got into that, introduced by Jason Howard, who I then met through Greg. And then he started working me some rehabilitation work, just the basis of a squat, which a squatting probably is a CrossFit movement. It's a fundamental movement. He started getting me to squat properly because I couldn't even at the time squat the parallel. Then, um, as a understandably, like when I'm looking at, so obviously uh, listeners can kind of visualize, but as you were explaining your leg, you kind of stretched it out to me, and I can see the scars, and I can see as you were pointing to where everything was broken, I can totally understand why you wouldn't be able to squat to parallel. So then it was just, um, I guess working with that and just repetitive stuff then to lengthen the muscles again and get the body aware my muscle connection of where your body needs to be and you can push through things like it wasn't although i didn't have a lot of structural damage it was stuff that could not i guess could not be fixed so it could be um with the right work and the right movement the mechanics things like that you'd work to better and so it started with all that and then um, at the time with Jason Hill being really into CrossFit and CrossFit being such a fresh new sport to the world, let alone Australia, sorry, uh, sort of um, fresh sport to Australia, let alone to the whole world, just new, um, kind of started doing some stuff with him when he was um, affiliated, we used to do some outdoor stuff with a group of us and go and do things and I always, it always modified things me to make so it's still be a part of it just generally outdoors on the track with some odd objects like your kettlebells dumbbells different things and then as he moved into his facility um then progressed to the more olympic weightlifting snatches and things like that and then also i jumped over that but during that time i had to spend a bit of time in sydney living with grandparents because i had to see a lot of specialists down there so i just ended up living down there best part of the week if not back to back weeks for up to three months, and at the time I'd already been introduced to CrossFit with Jason Haywood, been doing it for a little bit now. Um, and in that time, because Jason being good friends with Mick and Steve from CFX, yep. I met them, yep. and I was traveling from where I was staying to CFX, which wasn't too far, but there's obviously a few other CrossFit places around that were closer, but I from where I was staying, grandparents at Marylands, just to drive there in the morning and work with um with Steve and Mick as well and just rehabilitation work to continue to get me better and then till I was they were happy and I was comfortable to take part in their group classes and then that's where it all started. It's history. So when you talk about that's amazing. And when you talk about like back with Jason and then Mick, they're great coaches and they've been around the sport for a really long time. Um, I Jason was amazing to me, Mick's always been super cool. Um, when you're talking about modifying, you're talking about scaling. 
Yeah. Scaling movement patterns so you can create full range of, you're always working towards full range of motion, but you could do the movement patterns, ensuring that you weren't going to injure yourself, making sure that you were developing continual mechanics, and then just improving like you would do anybody that walks into a box. You've just got a lot that you need to overcome, right? Yeah. Fantastic. So all of that happened, and you started to do things like snatching, obviously chest bars, double unders. Yeah. Double unders, yes, and that was something that really took me a while to coordinate and pick up. That was probably the last movement I picked up. Picked up muscle-ups only well before double unders. I just couldn't coordinate it. No. And I couldn't, and then one day, as I tell everyone, it seems to be for everyone, but for me it was much slower, they just click, and then you can do them. You can do them now, but I can't guarantee them to be able to do them. Some days I pick them up and I can't link any more than three. Some days I can then link 50 or 100. And the next day I can't. It's really weird and I think it comes to how how I'm feeling, um, I guess, cognitively, cognitively um, my brain's refreshed stuff as well as physically, otherwise I just can't put two and two together. Yeah, I can, I can only begin to imagine, right? And I know when someone comes in, you're looking at their coordination, speed and agility, and you can see that something is just out and then it, you know, you, you give them all the cues, you give them everything and it clicks through and that's great. And you see somebody, I'm thinking of a young guy, he's a gymnast in our gym, in our box, Bo. One day he's got double unders like crazy and the next day it's the same. And he's just working on getting his patterning happening. He doesn't have what you overcome and what you overcome on a daily basis. So as an athlete, I am completely blown away when I see people come in as a coach, when I see people come in with what they deal with, I think it's amazing. Now we go to another level as a box owner. How did, how and what made you want to open a box? And I say this because as a box owner, if there's anyone out there that owns a gym or um, runs a box, um, you know what I'm talking about right now, right? Corey is the, the longest running box that's still open on the Central Coast. Um, from people that don't own a box or a gym, they, I think they think, Corey, that you can do your level one and open a box and just stay open for forever. Because technically you can, right? But it's to run a community of people that require physical understanding of adaptation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But also the neurological, because community is communication of people, right? So I, I think of everything that you've endured and you're smiling at me right now, like everything that you have to constantly work on and you decided to open a box communicating with people in an area that was really not popular back 10 years ago. So please tell me your why, I just want to know. Okay, well, so just backpedal quickly, it went from the film industry, different things like then with the injuries um, being, I guess, the final stage of Forrest being knocked back due to not being able to do that because I've had a head injury for X amount of years. Um, and fell in love from, I guess, still in love with the ocean, but then fell in love with my fitness and stuff and wanted to show people that anything's possible. I wanted to, my core values, change many lives I can, exact same way my life's been changed. If it wasn't for um, this methodology, our methodology, fitness CrossFit, I would not be where I am mentally or physically. So I, yeah, just owe it all to that and I want to show people that anything's possible. It doesn't matter. Everyone faces challenges. It doesn't matter whether it's to lose weight, their just lack of coordination, their confidence, their ability, or physical structure, things that have been in an accident, 
they've broken a leg, doesn't really matter. And I just want to help show them that anything's possible. You don't have to be sort of elite to do what we do. We do this for longevity, to be better at life, to look good when we're freaking naked and be able to play footy in the back of the back grandkids, right? And that's what my core values and vision are. And I wanted to portray that to the world and show as many people that as I could. And I, I have watched you and I absolutely understand when you talk about the CrossFit methodology, it can change people's lives. I've seen people, it changed my life. Um, so I, that's amazing. And when you say that you, you've changed your core, core values, we're not just talking about physically, we're talking about you've really, you really invested in everything to do with full range of, like getting full range of motion, you know, um, all your physical, um, I guess, implications that you had to overcome. But we're also talking about nutrition-wise and everything. Like, you really embraced the CrossFit methodology and changed your core values across the, across the board, right? Yeah. Um, I was talking to a friend of yours, just getting a little bit of, you know, feedback in regards to knowing you before the accident. And one of the things that this particular individual said is, what was fascinating to me and what got me interested in CrossFit was how and what he was talking about nutrition-wise back eight, ten years ago, how he would make his own this, that and the other and how he was talking about things that no one else was talking about. And that's what got him really interested in what it was you were doing. So you've had a box now, ten years going on, eleven years. Yep. It used to be called CrossFit Plus. Yeah, CrossFit Plus, yep, and plus now it's health, fitness, performance and now to human fitness. Now to human fitness. And we, we were chatting beforehand and one of the things that you said was, you know, like at first it was grassroots stuff um, and it was people wanting to compete and basically it's grown to a point like your your brand and your business and your vision has grown to a point now that I walked in here and I've seen everyone from young people all the way through to athletes who compete and grandparents and parents all training in regards to creating longevity for life. So your core values are kind of playing out on, on the dance, what I call the dance floor. Yeah. Must feel amazing. No, it is. It's good. I do kind of really humbling to know that I've helped achieve what we've all achieved here. And I can't take all the credit because if it wasn't for each and every one of our students in here, I personally would not be at the stage I'm at, nor this facility would be where it's at. Each and every person makes this what it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I walked in, I was watching a great wad with so many different uh, groups of people, like I said, from teenagers all the way through, you could see that was, there were was some athletes, um, they were all athletes, but some that would like to compete, and then you've got people that maybe don't compete, and they just want to do it to create longevity for life. They were all having a laugh, which is always great to see, and then the ward ended, everyone was, you know, really, really excited that they'd, that they'd done that, and then straight away... They started cleaning, which is just amazing. Everyone got in, put all their gear away, started cleaning. I absolutely loved it. So you've got a, a beautiful community here. Yeah, no, it's great. Everyone is so helpful and understanding and respectful of not only our equipment, but of each other. Yeah. The coaches and their fellow companions. It's, it's unreal. It is. And that's, you know, that's kudos to you for everything that you've done and continue to maintain. Because I have to say, working with people is hard. Yes, like I love people, but it is hard. Working with people that, and I've worked from a background of psychology where I understand communication, and that, yeah. was, that was my primary job, yeah. was just sitting there communicating with a person through adversity, 
right? So that's what I did. I would like see where they were going, help them visualize where they wanted to be. Um, and I can tell you working with people's hard. It's great, I love it, wouldn't change it. Um, but for you working with people, I can see how much you love it. I can see the interactions you have, but it must be extremely difficult at times for you with everything that you've endured. Like you said, like even some people just love a good chat, right? Yeah. And if talking tires you, and I know that it does, and it also gives you a little bit of anxiety from time to time, you still do that day in and day out. You also do it seven days a week, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty Honestly, much. It's like all those people out there own their own thing, entrepreneurs, you don't stop. You don't stop working, but it's the way we're all ingrained. It's, we're doing something we love and we're passionate about it. So work becomes part of our daily life in the sense that we enjoy doing it. Yeah. Do you think that it actually kind of works hand in hand for you? So because of this amazing community, they then inspire you? Because I, I have seen that you have a growth mindset, that you like to, you know, you like to grow. Do you think that it kind of works hand in hand, like seeing what they do also wants you to continue in your goals and what you're setting up and then that passion then drives them to go further? 100%. I reckon everyone feeds off everyone. It's, yeah, it's so good. Fantastic. So. Now I want to go on to your Gains Day, coming up to 10 year anniversary. Yeah, so this will be our 10th, um, 10th annual event this year. We've flipped around, we normally run that in September, the first day of September, but with the um, CrossFit game season flipping around and changing, we've had to bring it forward to March just to make it sort of, it's kind of exactly the same as where it was at the end of the year in comparison to the CrossFit season. So now we're going at the start of the year and we've got that coming up in about just over a month. From a coaching and programming um, perspective, I totally understand the date change and it works out really well for athletes as well. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I know being a volunteer and also assisting in running games days and watching everything from the CrossFit Games all the way down to regional sanctionals and grassroots games days, You've got things that work extremely well and you've got things on paper that sound like they work well but don't work well. So, 10 years is a lot of experience to have under your belt, yeah? So, last year, let's just look at last year, let's not look at the 10 years because that's amazing. Last year, what worked really well? What did everyone love? Yeah, I'd say the flow, the time, time on everything, finish up early, everyone getting as much volume as they could throughout the day. So, all in all, I guess, you can call that the the flow, the daily run sheet, the structure, the marshalling, just, yeah. Long and short, I guess, the flow of how the day run and everything like that, giving each and every one of the competitors as much work as they could throughout the day. Yep. So that's what I'd say. Absolutely, and I, I, I was here for that and I, I definitely understand that. So that did work well and there's nothing better than going to a games day and knowing where you're gonna be and it's gonna run on time and you know what you need to do and you can get in and then also out and home to the rest of your life, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what, it's always good to look at something that didn't work well. I know you take feedback in very, very well. So with last year's Games Day, what didn't work well? Well, last year with the final that we kind of structured and ran it, again, come back, this looks good on paper. We do test all the workouts beforehand, which the workout ran fine, but logistic-wise, it just didn't play how we wanted to, and it kind of, upset a few people in the different teams team because it really shook up the leaderboard too much to the extent of it making it kind of unfair standings on the final results. So we take that on board and I love feedback 
as much as it's always hard to take negative feedback, but constructive negative feedback is the best because then we can only work to better that for um, future events, anything in general. So that's um, what we've taken on board 100% this year. I always say true to my word with um, offering some of those teams um, free entry and stuff to our event this year. Which oh, wow. We've contacted awesome. that. That's awesome. And um, yeah, hopefully this one should be better. Again, because we've obviously got different things that we've thought about and haven't worked in the past and being a part of the Christmas community for so long, knowing um, different things that have and haven't worked from other events and not trying to, like, I guess, create a new wheel, so to speak, just taking things from other affiliates and feedback and talking to people that work and just trying to implement it to make our one that much better. Absolutely, and you can see it across the board. You, anyone that's watched the games last year will tell you, you know, those cuts were hard. They didn't expect it to play out that way. Um, and it goes all the way down. And that's, that's, I guess, part and parcel with a comp where points are scored. So what have you changed learning from that? And you and I talked about it prior. What did you change for this year so you don't experience the same thing that upset people last year? Yeah, well, I've never kind of really liked having a final as such and then it, just a separate final with the top, say, three to five people um, and then really shifting the leaderboard around too much. And People and like that. finals, yeah, though, but, don't they? Yes, but yes. As Kat just saying, people love finals. So we've kind of come up with another crafty little thing to still run a final as such, but it's an additional, additional event, additional part of the games day. So um, those that are in the final... The final standing still set, that will not alternate, but it's a little bonus round to, um, for cash bonus, so to speak, for them to walk away with some additional points, um, additional sort of prizes rather than, um, so sorry, I was back, I'm getting confused my words, with a tender, when we've, been, we've, been talk, we've been talking for a while I, now. I start to trip over my words, but trying to say like, so if the, fin- the game day's over, we're still gonna have a final event, the final people in the final event, final team, sorry, whatever they come out in this final will not alter the final standings. It will just give the winning team of that final event a bonus. Yeah, fantastic. So what that looks like, um, the way that I'm hearing that, what that looks like is you'll finish all the events and you'll have a clear first, second and third. Correct. And then there'll be a final of a set number of people that make the final yep. and they'll have something up for grabs that's additional. Yes, yes, that's it. That's when we were talking about that beforehand, that excited me because that is great growth mindset. That's a, a great way to go, okay, so this happened last year, didn't work too well, we're going to completely change it because people love finals. Yes. And so now with that, you know that I want to ask a little bit about, let's give people a little bit of a, a, a teaser. What might they experience? What's some of the movements they might experience? Okay, so we've thrown out our movement standards out there just so people can... Um, be confident to know what division to register in. So movements from just our barbell work, um, cleaning, snatching, possibly some thrusters, some gymnastic skills from handstand push-ups to pull-ups, muscle-ups. We go to our functional bodybuilding style things with odd objects, dumbbells, um, single arm dumbbell snatches. Single arm, did you hear that guys? Single arm dumbbell snatches and if you have a look at the standards on the website, you'll actually see the weight as well. Yes, and um, and we also like to incorporate, um, if we do a fair bit of that, the things that we've adapted into the CrossFit methodology to make what we believe that much better. 
with our experience, um, some strong man, strong man work in there. So um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be some fun, really odd object strong man work that's kind of outside of the realm of what people generally do at their CrossFit affiliate. Oh, nice. So can I ask? Obviously, we're talking about we. So there was somebody else that helped you write these words. Who? Let's give him a shout out. Yeah. So um, work really close to one of our coaches here and as well as his own sort of online programming is um, Coach Deberg, Daniel Mauberg. He's our, um, I guess, prominent programmer for our event this year, running yeah. the workouts, as um, he did in the previous years. He's always helped out with things. Fantastic. That's super exciting. So I'm going to have in the body of this, I'm going to have where you can go and log on to register, where you can find out more about human um, and carnage, which is fantastic. I just want to end with thanking you so much of giving of your time, but also like this is a really in-depth podcast. Um, this I would have to say this is probably the most in-depth podcast, and I know that I'm only new at doing podcasts, but I just want to thank you for just being so open um, to share your story in the hope I know, uh, speaking to a couple people before I come here today, I really wanted to get a good grounding of who you were pre-accident um, and knowing and working in psychology and the neurological things that you've overcome, one of the things I can absolutely say is you have amazing compassion and one of the people I was speaking to pre-coming here today said that like he was involved in his own car accident and you reached out to him and that meant an awful lot to him. Have you had people come in here after they've heard your story and want to train with you or want to talk to you or want them to kind of be around you or have you helped them come through things? Yeah, I've had people specifically come for that. Not, I guess, first of all, someone say, can you train me, can you do this? But just to talk and mind growth, understanding what they're capable of doing and then someone of okay, taking that on board, I've still kept in touch with them and then they eventually come back in like now I feel ready and that's and I understand that and I get that I never push on anyone especially those who have come to me um, with those sort of those questions asking for help because I know how much of a mindset it can be it's always always comes down to the mind and when the time's right they come in and then we work over with them so if someone's listening to this right now we'll end in just a moment and I thank you we've been talking pre-starting to record for a while and during this recording, if someone's experiencing, whether it's an accident or a situation that's happened to them, like we spoke about, you can't change it, you can't rearrange it. Um, I, I love this really very simple quote that I heard only this year from Will Smith, the actor, right? Yeah. You know, and he talks about, it might not be your fault, but it's absolutely your responsibility to work with what you've got to make your life better. 100%. So if someone is hearing this right now that is in that situation of you, say, 10, 11, 12 years ago, whether it's a car accident or something else, what would you, what, what's a little bit of a pearl of wisdom that you would give them? Oh. And I know you're looking going, oh, where do I even start? Yeah, exactly. I can always, as you probably caught from this um, podcast, I get kind of, go off a bit off track and go down those rabbit holes and just go on a bit of a rant. As I said, I don't mind talking, but I'm not great at it. But, um, and I don't mind sharing my story because it took me all about 10 years to originally get it out there, but the biggest thing that actually drew me to get out there was not that I was ever worried about what people would think of me. Obviously, it was in the early days, really worried about different things, but it was like, 
I need to get out there because this is going to help change as many people's lives as I can and that's my true core values. So I guess I would, um, I'm going to have to ask Kelly what this question was. No um, problem at all. If someone is in the situation you were in 12 years ago, they're sitting there, they've just gone through all their rehabilitation or something's happened to them and they want to move forward but they, they're just stuck, they don't know what to do. And it's, a, it's one of those hard questions. What would you suggest something is that they can do just to make themselves feel a little bit better about themselves to start that journey of coming back? Is pretty much in one word, just do it. Yeah. Just start. It doesn't matter if you're someone that is struggling to get up out of a chair, to do anything like that, having to learn to read anything. Just do it. You gotta start somewhere exactly where we all have started from somewhere when we were born, we started with nothing. We yeah. learned it all from the ground roots up. And it does suck that some of us, like myself, had to redo that again, but it's achievable. Anything's possible. Anything that you put your mind to is possible. And just know again, I always go back to this, there's always someone out there worse off. And that was my biggest motivation, was knowing that there's people out there that are worse off, it's not that bad, it could be worse. Heck, we're all Australians. Look where we get to wake up each and every morning, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. So lucky, so. We are so lucky. Thank you so much, guys. I'm going to put everything in, in the, um, the topic information about how you can find out about human, how you can read Corey's story on his website, and how you can also register for Carnage. Um, I cannot wait for it. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. And that is my podcast with Corey. What an amazing human that's shown such amazing perseverance. We need to say that we purposely didn't go down the track of speaking about emotion. We talked about it in messages before we caught up. And one of the things that we both absolutely understand and agree upon is if you've had depression, PTSD or clinical depression, I know I've been there. When you've been down that dark hole, coming back out of it, it's hard to express and if you can express it, it generally triggers feelings of sadness. And the other thing we didn't want to do and you never want to do is you never want to trigger someone else who's currently making their way out of it. So we steer clear of that. Like I mentioned before, and, and any medical professional will tell you, we didn't actually speak about all of his physical or, or um, neurological um, issues that he had to overcome. We did touch on the ones that I thought was important and, the, and that Corey thought was important, not in great depth, it was in point form. So anyone that's currently going through that right now, we just wanted to let you know that basically seven days a week, two years worth of what he went through, we, we kind of compressed down to seven to eight minutes. And that was to give people an understanding, hopefully, of what he experienced and what he moved through to get to where he's at. So that was done with intention of that. At the end of a podcast, I always like to ask the people I'm, I'm chatting with, because it is just a chat, whilst we might have a, a general direction, there's no, this is the question, you've got six minutes to answer, go. We, it's just a sit down chat. I always like to say, how did you feel about that? Did you want to go back and go over anything, delete anything, edit anything? And he said, no, I, I just loved how the conversation went, how we touched on things in point form, how he got out what he did. He really liked how clear he was in expressing what he wanted to express. Um, he said, obviously, in hindsight with his memory, that there are many things he could talk about. And knowing his story, 
I can imagine there would be, but he loves what he got out and he just wants to basically send that because he's hoping that somebody that's currently wondering how you can move forward will, will understand that there's always someone worse off and you can just make that step forward, which I completely relate to. The next thing I did as we were walking to the car, I said, hey, just a question. It's taken 10 years for you to get this story out. Can I just ask why? And I, I chuckle because I completely understand this. He said, I didn't think anyone would be interested. I, it happened. Like you said, Kat, you can't change or rearrange it. I just had to do what I needed to do to get to where I wanted to be. And then I developed a passion to help other people want to get out of where they're at as well, whatever it is, whether it's physical, you know, psychological or anything, just to get them moving in a direction that, that gives them a happy, fulfilling longevity of life. And I, I absolutely love that. And I said, how, how did that come about? And he was saying, um, yeah, I was speaking to my business, a business mentor and coach that said, that's your why. And people will relate and want to hear it. And I'm like, yes, they will. I know so many people that will be listening that can relate to this. If you want to touch base with Corey, you can find him on www.wearehuman.com.au. He's got his number up there. He's got contact information up there. You can also find out about Carnage, which is coming up next month. It is the first CrossFit comp on the coast. It's gone for 10 years. It's a 10-year anniversary. I would love to see you there. I'd also love to hear any feedback that you've got about this podcast. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you have an amazing day.